my faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. This ancient hymn, My Faith Has Found a Resting Point Place, points out that creeds are sometimes contrasted with the word of God as the foundation for our faith. But creeds actually have an important part in the life of a Christian. So today I'm talking with Rich Penix. He will be our Bible conference speaker in just a couple of weeks here. And I'm glad to talk with Rich about the creeds because creeds are often incorporated into the gathered worship of the church. And that's what we'll be talking about with Rich in a couple weeks. So Rich, thanks for being willing to talk here. Absolutely. Happy to be back. Now, in our previous conversations, we had a pretty scripted interview and that's not what I want to do in this one. <laughs> Bring the casual to casual conversation. Yeah, so we'll have a casual <laughs> conversation about catechisms, confessions, creeds, and maybe even councils. So for, for the members of our church who don't know you, Rich, I just need to say that you and I worked together at Eden, and you were actually kind of my boss a little bit there, maybe more than a little bit. You, you oversaw some of the work that I did, but we would also have really casual conversations in your office, like every couple of weeks, for like three hours or something about theology or some other topic. And so that's what I'm trying to do here a little bit since I don't get to see you Tuesday through Friday. It, it never felt a single day like I was a boss. I don't know. <laughs> more of just a friend and, and brother. Always a joy. Well, I'm glad we can import those conversations here, and and hopefully this will be helpful for the members of Crystal Lake as we keep thinking about how we should worship as a church, how we should strengthen our beliefs as a church. We're going through the book of Titus, and Paul talks about being an apostle for the faith of God's elect. And so as we think about the strengthening of the faith of God's people, I think it's important for us to talk about the role that creeds and catechisms and confessions have, but we probably need to start by just defining what each of those are. And so maybe we should start with catechism. What is a catechism? Yeah, so a lot of times people can lump these all together and think of them as totally synonymous, and sometimes they they, they might be. Um, but in, in a more technical sense, yeah, your catechism, if you work from the most practical to the most um, concrete, I guess, catechisms are the on-the-ground, um, take, most take-home-friendly, application-oriented uh, teaching, still with, with the words of men, synthesizing, putting together in memorable, succinct ways for the purpose of just almost providing an operating system like a, like a computer would have, um, where it's just the hardwired, the instinctive response of, of the human heart in any area of life. Um, catechism is, is, is to do that. So a lot of times we think of catechesis as something that is oftentimes done in uh, children's classes or, or, or something like that. But catechesis happens through corporate worship all the time as we're teaching um, not and it's it's used not specifically to refer to scripture, uh, though sometimes it, it does that. But a synthesizing, a pulling together for the purpose of memory, um, the, the the most bare bone, take home friendly, on the ground, um, you know, teaching of the church. Yeah. So so then catechisms often come in a form of a question 
with a response. Right, and, right. and so we learn both the right questions to ask mm-hmm. and then how to think rightly about that question. So right, right. I was homeschooled for a few years growing up and we used Bob Jones University Press Bible curriculum. Mm. And there were catechisms there that I remember okay. memorizing. Right. And so that was my experience with catechisms. Yeah. But there are other catechisms out there. Uh, what are maybe some of the ones that we should be aware of? Probably the most famous one is the Westminster Shorter Catechism. That's probably less familiar in certain Baptist circles, more familiar in Presbyterian and other uh, Reformed contexts where that's what their bread and butter has been. Um, but, you know, what is the chief end of man? That's probably the, mm-hmm. you know, to glorify God and enjoy him forever is a is a is probably the most well-known example of that. Um, other catechisms, uh, there's, there's actually been some that have been popularized more lately. There's one, I think, um, I think Tim Keller helped popular, either write or popularize the new city catechism, which works just to tries to contemporize, I think a little bit of the Westminster, um, confession. You might know more on that, but, um, and then also, um, uh, I was mentioning this the other day, there's a, just a children's first catechism, uh, that we've been using lately. In our um, in our home, specifically during COVID, just to, to provide another uh, way for our kids to be growing in, in the Lord. But um, and there's kind of a funny story with that um, that I, I was reminded of the helpfulness of uh, catechism. We were just by way of illustration. Um, Jude was doing something. Uh, that's our four year old. Uh, Jude is in his room, uh, probably doing something wrong and sinful. Um, I think he hit his sister or did something. And so we went in to, you know, address this with him and we asked him, why would you, why would you do that? And he said, well, I know that God can't see me. (laughs) And my immediate thought went to the catechism that we'd been working through. One of the questions was, where is God? And, you know, when we were first teaching that, he said, well, God's in heaven. But the answer to the catechism is God is everywhere. And so even in that simple three-word answer, he's reminded that God isn't merely bound to the confines of heaven, such that a, a, a ceiling with sheetrock and wood and shingles mm-hmm. bars God's vision, but God is everywhere at all times. So I could and I should in time teach the scriptural you know, underpinnings of why that is true, uh, but in that particular moment, the catechism was really useful, even in a moment of teaching on the most practical everyday level of, oh, God, remember, God is everywhere. He sees all that we do. So that, that's just an example, not necessarily in the context of the gathered church, but for all of life that I think catechism can be helpful. And yeah. Useful. And so it just boiled down a lot of what the Bible has to say about God and make it very pointed in that moment. And, and that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so those are the catechisms, maybe the more practical life mm-hmm. question answering right. sort of statements. So then what about creeds and confessions? Are these the same? Are they different? Yeah. I think the way that people typically divide those out is a creed would be the, the bare bones, uh, essential tenets of what Christians believe. Um, whereas confessions would be a more denominationally specific um, uh, pulling together of what that that kind of subset of Christians in all places and all mm-hmm. you know 
locations would believe. So a, a Baptist denomination, the Baptist faith and message, for instance, would be a, a more of a confession, denominational-specific, uh, unifying statement of faith, whereas a creed like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed or the Athanasian Creed, um, pretty much Western Christians in all places are going to find a, a commonality in those. Okay, so so the creeds then are kind of what, if you believe genuinely what's in the creeds, you're in the house of Christianity. I think that's the way Lewis talks about it. And then confessions sort of put you in the different denominational rooms. Yes, so, yes exactly. So Southern Baptist churches can affirm these creeds, these ecumenical creeds. Mm-hmm. But then we also have our Baptist faith and message that sort of steers us into the Baptist room. Mm-hmm. And because this is a Southern Baptist statement of faith, there might mm-hmm. be things in there that would differ from other Baptists too. So it kind of puts us right. in a corner of that room almost. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so, so other denominations probably have confessions of faith like we do, mm-hmm. um, and, and independent churches sometimes write their own, mm-hmm. and, and that's what mm-hmm. Eden has, correct? Right, right. Yeah, we've chosen to kind of do the hard work and just uh, write it, which has its own pros and cons and pitfalls, um, but, uh, and that, that's not to say we wouldn't hold to and subscribe to the larger um, creeds, but it is saying, you know, we wanted to seek to come up with one that expresses this particular church's um, unique uh, way of expressing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think that we actually kind of want to write our own kind of formalized one because I think whenever there's a broader statement, there are things left untouched or Mm -hmm. are talked about from only one angle where maybe it's a, an individual local church, we want to emphasize something a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, th- and that's what the confessions, I think, do to the creeds. They take this mm-hmm. really big, generalized, really important thing, and then now start to double-click on those mm-hmm. folders and start to get into mm-hmm. the details of right, some things. Exactly. So we now that we've got a handle on what these things are, well, we should say, what what are the councils? I think they're just the the gatherings in which a lot of these creeds were kind of hammered out, correct? Right, right. They are the, uh, the pulling together for usually some kind of controversy was rising, and there was a desire to come together and to solve this, and to, we see this with Nicaea. The um, Council of Nicaea was certainly uh, responding in this way, as well as the Athanasian Creed. There's mm-hmm. a history there of... of uh, coming together to solve a theological dilemma that was splintering the church. Yeah, so so that actually leads well probably into the next level that we have to con- think about the the creeds, and that is what is their relationship to the Bible, and are we not trusting the Bible when we start to utilize these creeds? And to maybe kind of guide our discussion here, I think that you and I were both looking at a graphic recently that was mm-hmm. sort of pointing out the trajectory of the interpretation of the Bible. And in a showed a graphic without creeds, and there were arrows just going everywhere. So mm-hmm. people reading the right. Bible, individual interpretation reigning over ecclesiastical interpretation, and you can end up anywhere, right. making right. the Bible say whatever you want. 
and maybe even genuinely believing it says that. Mm -hmm. So then it, the, there was a graphic with kind of the walls of the creeds that kind mm -hmm. of hem us in mm -hmm. to Christian orthodoxy. Right. And so when we start talking about the creeds versus the Bible, we probably need to reframe our look at that a little bit to say the creeds are explainers of the Bible. Exactly. So in that sense, there is no... Um, jeopardy that sola scriptura is being placed in, a, a, a supremacy of the Bible in all things uh, governing a church is not uh, being hurt by a, an appreciation, even a guidance uh, by the, the creeds and confessions. Mm -hmm. um, they are always uh, to be subjected to the authority of scripture. And yet, uh, as even we survey the landscape of American evangelicalism, uh, I saw somewhere recently where someone was just summarizing a handful of just historic theological errors that the church has historically condemned that have, they just slip into common parlance, you know, of just talking about certain things about the Christian life or theology, that if there was a higher appreciation and understanding and teaching in the creeds and confessions, we would know better to, know, oh my goodness, I can't talk about the Trinity that way. Mm -hmm. That is completely uh, heretical. Uh, but sometimes because we're, uh, you know, the American church uh, has gone so many different ways in, in sort of the naive, I have no creed but the Bible, um, in, in a sense, the, the hymn that you <laughs> referenced at the beginning, if that sentiment is taken all the way, that we don't, we don't look to tradition one bit. Um, our sole authority is if the Bible doesn't... Well, that, that actually can be an incredible amount of pride in that, that uh, without even consulting uh, the, the best of the, the believers that have gone before, the shoulders on which we stand upon for 2,000 years, who've thought deeply and if their works have been carried along and, um, for, you know, millennia, and for us to think that in our generation we, we, we know better is pretty arrogant in a sense, um, while all the while knowing that God feeds his church through the Word of God. It's, it's in a different sense, um, Aaron, I know you and I taught a hermeneutics class mm -hmm. a number of years ago, and we talked about the role of historical theology. And we said it it should serve as that guardrail and that help, never over top of, uh, but subjected to, but still very important for even right interpretations of any passages. Um, and so it's, in a sense, creeds and confessions can be like bringing historical theology to bear mm -hmm. on a corporate worship service. Yeah, yeah. And I think that brings up the Bible interpretation piece. And, and that is that we sometimes want to say, there's this plain reading of Scripture. We just read the Scripture, and it's obvious what it means. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking to people we know, that's probably true. We're probably generally reading the Bible in the same way. But then if we were to import ourselves into another place, we might find out that they would say, you've got this all wrong, and the plain reading of Scripture says something else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so these creeds actually help us to realize that the Bible requires interpretation and that our interpretation by itself is not authoritative. It is mm -hmm. the Word of God that's mm -hmm. authoritative, rightly interpreted. Mm -hmm. And these creeds sort of help us have barriers on where our interpretation can go. Right, right. Um, so, so I think that's a really important piece of this, is we recognize this 
almost unconsciously as we turn to commentaries to help mm-hmm. us know what to think about a passage. Mm-hmm. Well, in one sense, I think the creeds are like ancient commentaries mm-hmm. saying right. this is what it meant when it talked about Jesus's relationship to the Father or right. something like exactly. that. Exactly. And for those that you know are in more of a, a, a strict, uh, sometimes this is called a, a naive biblicist um, view, but for those that are just totally averse to any kind of historical creed or confession, we have to remember uh, this is in a in a whole different way what singing is doing as well. Mm-hmm. We are we are teaching and admonishing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual signs. We are catechizing and instructing one another in it, you know things learned in song are remembered long. That is the essence of catechesis. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're used to this, and those are the words of men, by and large. I mean, sometimes we'll sing hymns, or we'll sing psalms that are direct uh, scripture, and some of our hymns include quotations, but so much is just man's poetical putting together in, in beautiful, memorable ways truth. And so we have a category for that already, mm-hmm. so it's not as if we're coming up with some, or crossing some new bridge that is uh, you know, a, a scary new terrain or anything. It's, it's just a different way of bringing the same idea to bear. Yeah, and in, in, in fact, we're just doing what Christians have done for 2,000 years, mm-hmm. which is to read the Bible, recognize that the Bible does explain itself in some places, but we also have to use our words and our thoughts mm-hmm. to try to work out what it's saying. Mm-hmm. And then we incorporate that and fold it into the to, into our lives, in the gathered mm-hmm. worship and in our individual worship. Mm-hmm. And right. we do that through songs, through creeds, through our own confessions of faith. And right. that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. So as we realize we have categories for this, mm-hmm. we're both Baptists. Mm-hmm. We're pastors of Baptist churches. We, I think, have a respect for Baptist history and, and don't want to just totally veer off and do our own thing always. So have Baptists used creeds and catechisms and confessions? Um, and, and are we, by suggesting we should use creeds, going against the grain of Baptist history? Yeah, and, and you might be the better one to speak to this than me. I somehow uh, worked up a pretty impressive Presbyterian resume from all the <laughs> schools that I've been to. Uh, so Baptist uh, history is not as much of a, a, a strong point. But from what I understand, um, yes, Baptists have, probably more than other denominations, had that skittishness and a, a, kind of a averse reaction uh, to using them for the purpose of zeroing in on the scriptures. However, and perhaps now as, as much as ever, um, there has been a, a, a newfound, a recovery of an appreciation for using the creeds uh, in this way. And while there's certainly been groups, you know, kind of that no creed but the Bible camp, um, there are many who have understood that in the right way, as we've already described, these can be used uh, for worship, for the training and building up of God's people. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that one of the ways we can detect Baptist use of the creeds is by looking at Baptist confessions of faith throughout the centuries where you see the same language imported mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's the creeds are included in Baptist writings. There, there are appeals to them, not as scripture, but as a historic interpretation of the Bible. And mm-hmm. so I think we're following in the Baptist tradition, but the the challenging thing is 
is to talk about the Baptist tradition because Baptists are not a unified whole. Mm-hmm. You know, there are different kinds of Baptists. Right. And so you will find in history some Baptists who have said, we have no creed but the Bible. Mm-hmm. And to even say the words of a creed is really a condemning thing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. other Baptists have said, we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us, right. including the authors of these creeds. Right. And so we will hold on to them. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's kind of the the direction we are wanting to walk is mm-hmm. to say we're we're standing on the shoulders of those who came before us. Mm-hmm. Baptist as a denomination didn't exist until really recently mm-hmm. in world history. And so mm-hmm. we we know that who we are and what we believe is rooted deeper mm-hmm. and and there was something that happened between the Bible and the establishment of the Baptist denomination and the mm-hmm. good parts of that are really mm-hmm. recorded, I think, in the creeds. Mm-hmm. And so we turn to them rightly, but as interpretations. So I recently read, and I think you did too, of the analogy right. of the sun and the moon. Yes. You know, yeah. the Bible's That's the helpful. sun, and, and there's a derivative authority. In as much as the creeds accurately reflect the Bible's teaching, they carry an authority with them as well that we can appeal mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And, and so we want to do that. Yeah. So how do you, in your personal life, utilize the creeds and catechisms? You talked a little bit about catechisms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, how should we maybe think about their incorporation into the life of a gathered church? Yeah, I think they're helpful, whether it's something that you work through with your family um, or just, a, you know, you, you pick up a book or honestly, if you just Google any creed, there's a PDF of it readily available. Um, that's what I've done just to compile my, uh, you know, folders of various creeds and, and read through it. They're very edifying. It, it might be similar to reading through, a, you know, a hymn book in that sense. Um, so there's a family take-home uh, ready application with kids. That, that first catechism that I just mentioned was, has been helpful in our home. Um, as I plan corporate worship each week, um, and, and we don't include a creed every single week, um, but very often I'm going through and I'm thinking, okay, what are the themes that are being uniquely pronounced in this uh, sermon that is going to come, that I want to really help deepen the meditation of God's people on? And I'll look at, okay, you know, how what creeds do I know of that might strengthen or provide another layer of commentary to help uh, the Lord's people think in better, deeper ways? And so a lot of my go-tos are, you know, I'll check the Westminster Confession, larger catechism, shorter catechism. I'll check the Belgic Confession, which is which has been helpful. Um, and for a more modern-day expression, which is I've probably used as much as anything, is the um, Gospel Coalition's foundational documents. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's very well done, and I've spliced different sections together on the kingdom of God or the people of God or... Uh, the New Jerusalem, or something that really kept it's a it's it's easy language in the sense that it's it's what we're speaking today. Um, so maybe there's not as much of the updating of these and those. Um, so that's been helpful. And then um, you know within the larger uh, function of just how this 
can operate and work uh, as a, at a function level in the corporate worship service, it's really an affirmation of faith in a lot of ways. So a lot of churches will categorize this as a, our affirmation of faith. And then this can come through different um, antiphonal or back and forth responsive readings from just straight scripture itself. Um, there's, or it can come through one of these, one of these creeds. So it could be, uh, you know, Psalm 46 or the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, Romans chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 15, there's a lot that I've um, been able to use in the past. The Heidelberg Catechism, um, we're singing a song we just learned recently, Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death, which is basically a, a musical um, expression of that sort of famous Heidelberg, what is our, I think it's the first question, what is our only hope in life and death? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, is that we are not our own, but we are body and soul, um, you know, owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think there is a a variety of ways in the corporate worship service that it can be utilized, whether in teaching or just a declaring of our faith um, that has, that has very helpful and influential ways for God's people to grow. There are two things about creeds that I really appreciate in my own reading and recitation of them. The first is that it helps me speak true things about God mm. and man and salvation in in a way that's been tested by Christians for centuries. Right. Right. And so it's not as if I'm coming across a new statement of faith right. and, and tying myself to that. Instead, I'm just standing next to Christians for thousands of years who have yeah. affirmed these same mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But then second, I, I think that it's a helpful answer to maybe the kind of blahness of individual autonomy that's Mm -hmm. just forced on us everywhere we go, and that sinfully we probably chase after too. Mm -hmm. I I think we want to recognize things like religious freedom and and freedom of belief and Mm -hmm. all of these things, but I think there's also been this hard turn towards everything's about me, and the only thing that matters is what I say about something. Mm -hmm. And, And I think there are, within Baptist circles and other places, younger Christians, Christians my age, I think, who are just tired of that mm-hmm. and who want to connect to something larger yeah. than they are. Right. And and there's a peace and rest in that, in that it's not all about me. And I think that as I engage in these confessions and creeds and catechisms, it's a reminder that I need God's authority over me. Mm-hmm. It's not just up to me. And so it's really good for me to learn to answer the question, where is God? Mm-hmm. And know that he's everywhere mm-hmm. at all times and, and to speak these things truly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're coming to the end of our time. So I'd like to close by just reading a couple paragraphs from a book that you and I are reading called Baptists in the Christian Tradition in a chapter called Baptist Sola Scriptura in the Place of Christian Tradition. And, and hopefully we'll be able to talk another time about some of the creeds, what the main ones are in, in is a church in a Bible class recently, we went through the Nicene Creed, so maybe we can talk about that and the Apostles' mm-hmm. Creed and some of the rest. But I think that these paragraphs are helpful. They've been written by Ryan R. 
Putman. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but he's from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, one of the main seminaries of the Southern Baptist Convention, or the Great Commission Baptists, depending on which name you choose. But he writes, Amnesia of and suspicion toward tradition have been recurring problems in Baptist life, but tradition is an essential element of our discipleship and theological heritage. Every reader of the Bible reads it through the lens of tradition, whether that tradition comes from a creed, a confession, a pastor, a favorite Sunday school teacher, or a parent. Every disciple belongs to the greater Christian tradition that has been unfolding since the first century. This tradition will continue to develop until the Lord returns, because there will always be a need for faithful followers of Jesus under the leadership of the Spirit who are committed to expressing the authority of Scripture in their churches, their communities, and the world. And then he goes on to say, As long as the Lord tarries, there will be a need for the people of God to interpret the Word of God, and there will always be a need for concise ways to talk about its contents. Creeds and confessions are an important part of that interpretive tradition. So I think that these words are encouraging and helpful as we continue to think about this. And Rich, thanks for taking the time to talk again. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Questions and Answers is a podcast of Crystal Lake Baptist Church in Burnsville, Minnesota. To learn more, you can visit us at www.clbcmn.org.